Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. Amen. Amen. There are seven churches of Asia. Last week I spoke about sending the girls, or here come the girls, or no more open plan system, and particularly the worldly church. <laughs> and today I want to continue from there, but hopefully focus more on the illegal marriage. <laughs> yeah, I'll be talking about illegal marriage. The illegal marriage. <laughs> so, just a quick recap. Last week, let me read the scriptures first. Revelation chapter 2. I want to read from verse 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things say he who has the two-edged sword. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith even in the days in which Antipas my, my uh, Antip- Antipas in which, uh, in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed amongst you where, where Satan dwells. 14. But I have a few things against you because you have you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put stumbling block between the children of, uh, stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Thus, you, thus you, also have, you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Verse 17, he who, has, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Amen. Amen. Wow. Um, is that this he, the, to, verse 12 to the, to the angel of the church in Pergamos right, these things say he who holds the so he who has the two edged sword alright Jesus Christ said I have two edged sword I told you earlier on that in Revelation chapter 1 from verse Ten, he said, I heard a loud voice behind me. And then verse 11, I tend to see who is speaking to me, or verse 12. And then he said that I saw, verse 12 said, I tend to see who is speaking to me. And then verse 13 said, I saw, a, verse 12 said, I saw a candle lampstand. But in the candle lampstand, lampstands, one like the son of man. So he began to describe who he saw. Somebody, one like the son of man, who is Jesus, clothed with garments down to his feet and gathered about the chest with a golden, golden band, verse 14. His hair and his, his head and his hair were white like wool, wool and as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire, verse 14. His feet was like fine brass, as fine as, uh, uh, as, as if refined in fairness, and his voice as 
the sound of many waters. Verse 16. He had in his right hand seven golden stars, and out of his mouth went a two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. Then he goes on. So he was describing the personality he saw, who was Jesus Christ. Now, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, he says that to the church of, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things say he who holds the seven, seven stars in his right hand, he who walks in the midst of the seven, that, that is what he saw. He saw a man, a particular person, and this, he described who he saw in verse, uh, chapter 1. You remember what we just read? His hair was like as white, his head and hair as white as wool. And he gave a lot of description about this person. But when it comes to writing the letters, Jesus himself describes himself as first one. He said that this is, um, this, thing say, this is what he, me, he, who am I? The one who holds the seven, seven stars in his hands and walks among the candles. So that goes to the next verse, verse two. I know your way. So he said, this is what I'm saying. So who is the issue? When he's coming to talk to the church, he, come, he, he presents himself in a particular way, depending on the problem in the church. So de- depending on what he's coming, the, or the kind of church he was addressing, addressing, he presents himself in a particular way, based on what the guy, uh, John, saw him to look like. So he's not the same to all the churches. So when he came to the church of um, Smyrna in ch- verse 9, verse 9, the church of Smyrna, oh, sorry, verse 8, let's go, I'm sorry, verse 8. He says that, and to the angel of the church of Smyrna, right, these things say the first and the last, he who was dead. And now when you read Revelation chapter 1, verse 17 downwards, he will tell you, he will say, I'm the one who was dead and I'm alive forevermore. So he actually describes himself, and then when he's coming to the church, to talk to the church, he presents himself, he, he actually presents himself according to one of the descriptions that was shown. Now, we go, then we go to the church of Pergamos. And then the church of Pergamos, see how it describes verse 12. And to the angel of the church of Pergamos, write, these things say he who has the two-edged sword. That's all. Sharp, sorry, sharp two-edged sword. Sharp is necessary. What's sharp for? What does sharp connote? For what? For what? Cutting. When you talk about sharpness, sharp knife, sharp soap is supposed to be able to cut easily. When they are selling knives, and uh, if you watch the television, the adverts of those knives, they just take tomatoes or something, they throw it and then just slices it nicely. It tells you that the, the, the knife is so sharp, it cuts so fine. He said, me, I can cut so fine, effortly. <laughs> And when it comes to the church of Pergamos, he said, I'm coming with a sword. I'm coming to cut. Because this illegal marriage is not allowed. I'm coming to bring divorce. Separate it. You have to cut to separate. Cut some things out. That's why you need a knife for circumcision. Knife is necessary for circumcision. And when you go to the theater surgery, the, the knives are different. They are so sharp. Small, but sharp. And Jesus, he said, my sword is two-edged. It's not only one-sided. When I go back, it's cutting. When I go forward, it's cutting. Anywhere I move, it's cutting. So I'm cutting in the mind and I'm cutting in the heart. That's why it's two-edged. It's necessary. So when you go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, oh, 
Hebrews 4 12, it says that for the word of God is sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit, of the joints and the marrow, and is a designer of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God, he always wants to deal with matters in your heart. God is very interested in what is in your heart and in your head. So he said, church, you worldly church, tell the worldly church that I'm coming with a sword. And the sword is in his mouth. One, chapter 1, verse 16, the sword is in his mouth. It comes out of his mouth. Interesting. You see, what is He said, he, he had to, a, a sharp two-edged sword. The thing was coming out of his mouth. What makes you think that pastors, uh, any pastor who is really speaking God's word shouldn't cut your heart? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You say, it's because he's talking about me. Went, no, no, the thing must cut. Oh. <laughs> it must cut. Because I just read, he said, the word of God, he said, it's like two-edged sword. Hebrew, we just read it. Hebrew chapter 4, verse 12. Said, well, for the word of God is living and is what? Powerful and is what? Sharper than any two else. The word of God is described like it's even sharper than any two. It's sharp. So when Stephen preached the gospel to them in Acts chapter 7, from verse, I think, 60, 50, 54, 55, 56, Bible says, and they were cut to the, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. What cut them? The things they heard cut them. Why do you come to church and you are living in a way that does not glorify God and you are a believer and the word of God shouldn't cut you? The devil is a liar. I am believing God for a word that will cut you. It must cut. It must cut. Before we pray for you, we must cut you. <laughs> it must cut. Say, cut me, Lord. I know some people can say it. <laughs> Say, cut me, Lord. With your word. Bible says that Acts chapter 2, verse 4, uh, 37. And when Peter preached, uh, now when they heard these things, they heard, you see, hearing, hearing, they were cut to their hearts. After the preaching of Peter, they were cut to the heart. And I'm praying that this morning the service will be filled with people who, watch this, who will respond this way when they are cut to the heart. We were cut to the heart and they, they said to Peter and the rest of them, men, what shall we do? That is what a genuine Christian does. But the stubborn ones, they take stones to kill the pastor. Look at, again, chapter 7 of Acts, verse 54. They were cut to their heart when they heard it, and they gnashed their teeth at him. The same word, cutting. Some people, when he cut them, they said, what, what, please help us. What shall we do? And then Peter said, repent. What shall we do? Others, when they were cut to the heart, there are two people, types of people here right now. Some are cut to the heart and they're upset with me. No, no, no. You see, you see, when God calls you to preach the word, you risk being stoned. It's part of our calling. Some of us will be stoned to death. Some of us will be stoned emotionally. But it's part, why do you want to be a pastor? You don't want anybody to stone you. That's why you have diluted your message. No, 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 no. I'm not saying you have to be obnoxious. I'm not saying you have to be obnoxious, annoying or irritating people and speak rubbish. No. I'm saying that if you are going to uphold the word of God in its integrity, it cuts to the heart. Yes. Mm. Yes. It 
cut to the heart. That, that gentleman who is living in fornication will come with his girlfriend to church or the lady has brought him to church thinking that once he comes to church, he will also become a rehabilitation and then he will start coming to church so he will marry you. And then the world will cut his heart and he says, I'm born again. I can't, I can't walk with you again. It must catch you. It must catch you. And this morning, I have a long to a short. <laughs> It must cut all of us. Sometimes I'm preaching and it's cutting me. And it's cutting you. And when it cuts, when it's cut, it cuts you to the heart. What are you supposed to do? You are supposed to say, men and brethren, what shall we do? It's a repentant heart. That's when you begin to see the blessing of God over your life. Because God's plan is not to punish you, it's to polish you. I see you moving into your next phase. Wow. So it says that this is he, this is, this is what he who has the two-edged sword says. So two-edged sword is for cutting. Look at verse 13. I know your works. And where you dwell. He said, I know where you dwell. I know you are sitting in church, but where you are is no good. Not physically. But where you dwell, where are you dwelling? You dwell in the place where Satan's throne is. What has church got to do with Satan's territory? How can church and Satan be sharing the house? (laughs) How? How can a Christian brother, a Christian sister, you are sharing the same dodgy deals at at workplace with other unbeliever colleagues? Doing the same dodgy deals. Do the same thing. How can a Christian sister, a Christian brother, be speaking so evil about the church like unbelievers do? do? Hey, what they did in there, hey, what that sister did is not good. Yeah, it's not good. But you, you, be careful. You are, can you imagine? You, you, you remember the way your, some people, your mother, sometimes she is like. Sometimes you can admit that my mother has. Issues, but you won't allow people to be in public and your mother. No, no, you, you say, excuse me, excuse me. You, you, how dare you talk talk about my mother, my mother like that? How dare you talk? It's still my mother, okay? Especially when you are in a relationship and that other person is wants to pick on your sisters and your family. It's not nice at all. So, in the, in the same way, when somebody is picking on the church, you shouldn't take it lightly. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's true. What the person may be saying is true, it's not nice, but it doesn't give them the audacity now to begin to take yes. the thing to another level. Yes, 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 yes. The real point I'm making is you have to stand up for the church. Yeah, right. Stand up for the church. Stand up for the church. You have come for prayer in the church, but you, <laughs> you won't stand for the church when you are out. What the church has got to offer for you, it will not work. Because you have to validate it by the way you stand up for the church. If the church is good and the prayer will work for you, then you must be able to defend the church. It's very important. It's very important. Let's defend. Because in our generation, people hate the church. People can't stand the church. Be an antipas. That's right. That's right. Be an antipas. I didn't say antichrist. Antipas. 
Antipas. Everybody say Antipas. Antipas. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr. Antipas was a faithful, the word martyr I told you last week, it means it's the same as witness, the same Greek word translated as witness. So sometimes it's translated as martyr, other times it's translated as witness. All right, so we are called to be witnesses. And you know what God is looking for? Faithful witness. Can you imagine? Watch this. I know you are, some of your attention hasn't come on this. Look at that. What did he say about Antipas? My faith. Oh, what did he say about Antipas? My faith. One more time. My faith. Are you not saying it? Let's all say. What did he say about Antipas? My faith. Can you imagine that Jesus is in heaven and is calling somebody? This one is my faithful. Mine. He said, My. He's my faithful. My faithful witness. May God say that about us. Amen. That God can look from heaven and say that you are my faithful servant, my faithful witness, my faithful courage church member. We can say about you that you are a faithful person. Amen. This one, if you know us saying it, Jesus himself says, my Antipas is my faithful man. And because of Antipas, Antipas, it, it's, you know, the church has become so worldly that they were losing their testimony. But because of Antipas, in his days, some people were able to still hold the name of Christ. Mm. So he says that, I know, and you have, hold fast, uh, you have hold fast my name and did not deny my faith. Why? Because of Antipas. Those days, Antipas gave people a reason to stand, stand firm. Mm. Thank you. Faithful Antipas. Thank God for the influence of Antipas. And in every, every Christian church, there will be some Antipas. And especially when the world is coming into the church, we need antipasses to rise up. And the, the meaning of the name antipass, the meaning is against all. He stands against anything worldly. He will be the one to oppose it. No, we won't take it. No, I'm not for this. No, I'm not for this. And so they had to kill him and get rid of him. He was martyred. He was killed because he was so faithful he would not allow this illegal marriage to go. Mm. We need some antipasses in our generation. May God help Caris Church to be an antipass in our generation. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Before I go any further, let me go back and then mention to you what the name um, Pegamos means. Last week I said it means a strong tower and marriage. Okay, so it means two things. Pegamos means marriage. It means strong tower. So we are dealing with the marriage. Last week, I spoke a lot about the situation of the marriage. But let me just give, bring a little highlight about the tower, the significance of the tower. Mm. The church has become married to the world, and the church has become a tower. Mm. Mm. The church started a, a delightsome church, a pleasant church. It was a desirable church. Church of Ephesus. Then we have a persecuted church, a precious church, precious church, and a suffering church. That is Smyrna. Now, the church, we come to uh, the church who's married to the world. The church that has become a tower and married to the, a strong tower and married to the world. And Jesus said, that's not the church I'm expecting. Now, let's look at Matthew chapter 13. 
You remember last week I quoted Matthew 13. Those of you were here. But I didn't get to go in. This time I'll go in. Matthew chapter 13. Verse 31. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. Which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the best of the the best of the air come and and nest in its branches. Wow, wow. Verse thirty-one. The kingdom of heaven. Let's all say the kingdom of heaven. Please say it again. Matthew was was very fond of saying the kingdom of heaven. He was always careful about saying the kingdom of God because Jews don't easily pronounce the name of God. It's an ineffable name. So Matthew always said the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. So he said the kingdom of heaven is like when, watch this, the church is the kingdom of God, okay? The kingdom of God. Jesus said the kingdom of God is in your midst. So he was the kingdom. When he came, the kingdom was in our midst. And then when he went, now the church is the kingdom of God on earth. When it was in the days of Israel, God actually, they were referred to the kingdom of God at a point in time. All right? But the, so the church is not the kingdom of God. Well, the territory where God reigns. It's not everywhere God is reigning. Even though he's powerful and he has influence and he can do whatever he wants, he, his rule and his reign is clear in the church. That's why it's a problem when Satan, the church brings Satan in. Yeah. And they didn't just bring Satan, but that Satan's throne. Throne is where power, place of authority. Wow. How can the church be where Satan is also now executing his powers mm. and his authority? Mm. Meanwhile, that is the kingdom of God. Mm. Yeah. Oh. So, so, (laughs) it's the kingdom of God, and watch this. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. He says the kingdom of God is, watch, this is very interesting. The kingdom of God, the church, life, is like, um, it's like a master, a small seed, which a man took and sowed in the field. Mm. We have been sown in the field of London. Mm. Sown in the field. And guess what happened? The verse 32 which indeed is the least. It's very, it looks insignificant. That's why it's easy to marginalize the church. That's why it's easy to talk against the church. And, because we look very insignificant and not powerful. The church by nature, socially speaking and politically speaking, is not powerful. Yeah. Uh, I'm going somewhere. The church politically is not, is not a political force. When the church becomes a political force, when the church or Christianity get, comes into union with secular powers, it is called Christ, Christendom. Wow. And Christendom is different from what Jesus died for. Okay. Very interesting. The church is not allowed, is not permitted to 
come into union, into marriage with political force so that the church becomes like, it's, the church begins to gain sovereignty and dominion in a geographical, ter- uh, geographical territory, a whole territory that is ruled and the laws and the rule and the behavior are upheld by Christian doctrine, Christian practices, and it's just, you don't have to be a Christian, but the whole thing is controlled by Christian. No, that's Christendom. It's very interesting. Yes, it's something good to think about. So, a man takes a seed of a master seed, sows it in the field, and is the least of all seeds. But when it when it is grown, it's greater than the herbs. Greater than what? Now, master seed, master is not a tree; it's a herb. Uh, do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Like tomato. Mm-hmm. Tomato, you don't have tomato trees, though. <laughs> no. Or watermelon trees. No. Oh, and I know what some of you don't know. You didn't know. Okay, I'm telling you now. <laughs> there's, there's no watermelon tree. There's no tomato tree. Okay. And so mustard seed is not a tree. It's a herb. But it grows up and now becomes bigger than the herb and becomes a tree. Hey, what is this? What is this? I saw master seed, now it's a tree. Hey! Hey! So, the, master, the kingdom of God is like a seed planted and suddenly it has become a tree. What is this? What is this? That's Pergamos for you. The church has not become Christianity, it has become Christendom. Become a huge institution, a tower, powerful tower. You can't do, deal with, you can't win elections without the, the influence of the church in, 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 at a period of time in European history. The church was controlling everything. That's why the society have risen and rebelled against the church. Because then we have, then you end up having priests and bishops who are not Christians. Yeah. Because it's, it's an institution. Yeah, yeah. It's just an institution. And so people, some of us were christened by people who are not Christians. Some of us were baptized by people who don't even believe in the Bible. Some of you who have been exposed to maybe religious studies or in universities, you are doing some Christian. There are people who are reverend. They have reverend, doctor, bishop, teaching religion, and they don't even. They tell, they'll tell you. I have a friend who went to Bible school somewhere in the UK. He said that a bishop, one of the lecturers, said, "Bishop, he said, let me tell you, me, I don't really believe in the Bible. I'm, I'm teaching it." How many of you have heard or seen bishops or uh, uh, priests who tell you that no, I don't believe in everything in the Bible? Why? Most of, some of them, some of them are not Christians. They are just, uh, it's career. It's a job, it's a job. It's a career. When the church becomes an institution, then you have all kinds of things coming to make their nest in the church. So Satan feels comfortable in the church. Now go back to that text again. Matthew chapter 13 verse 32. Which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it's greater than the herbs and becomes a tree. So that birds of the air, birds of the air, in the scripture, birds of the air is signs of, it's, it connotes demonic d- demons. Demons. 
Can I show you that? Ma- same, same Matthew 13, go to verse 4. Matthew 13, go to verse 4. The, and he sold, uh, and he sold some, uh, uh, sorry, as he sold, some fell, uh, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the bears came and devoured. He's talking about the word of God which was sold. Okay, and birds. And so when Jesus was explaining, look at verse 19. When he was explaining the parable to them, verse 19, he said, and anyone who has, let him hear. Um, And he, sorry, anyone, uh, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, do you see that? And does not understand it, the wicked one comes and snatches away uh, what was sown in his heart. This is he who received by the wayside. So who is the wicked one who comes? The birds came, uh, birds of the air. Did you, did you see that? So the best of the air in the, the, of the air, verse two again, verse four. I'm sorry. The best of the air is standing for any man. So wayside, and the best came and devoured the seed. And Jesus said that the enemy is the bear that comes to devour the seed. Revelation chapter eighteen, verse two. Revelation chapter 18, verse 2. And he cried, and he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bed. So, base of the air in the scripture sometimes, most times, represent demons and their influence. Guess what? That the seed was sown. It becomes an institution, a tree, instead of a herb. It becomes a tree, powerful, and it had branches. It has branches. Verse 2, verse 2. Verse 32. Verse 32. It has branches. Matthew 13, 32. Thank you, Jesus. And then Bible says that, so the best of the air came and nest in work is branches. Institution with all different branches and different wings. It's very interesting. That's what has happened to some of the huge established churches. I'm not saying that they are demon possessed and always in the church of Pergamos there are some faithful ones like Antipas but uh, watch this I said this about a month or few weeks ago that in the New Testament there's no way you see in the New Testament the church being depicted as a building or an organization or an institution Nowhere in the New Testament would you see the church being depicted as an institution. When you read the Bible, it's not there. So the church is not an institution. The church is not a building. And the church is not, an, is, 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 uh, is not just a, a human organization. It's, it's, it's a collection of God's people, gathering of God's people, called out ones. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. And so now back, oh, no, I need to show you this one too. Look at verse 33. I think you like verse 33 even more. Verse 33. <laughs> Shall we all read it? Shall we all read it? Let's go. <laughs> let's, let's read it again. Another parable. Let's go. Uh-huh. Okay, let's start. Let's go. Another, 
parable, he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a living which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all living. Can you give me NIV so that at least the English can be straightforward a little? Let's see how NIV puts it. He told them, still another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast, say yeast. That a woman, a, say a woman, took a mix, mixed into a lamb um, amount of flour until it worked, it worked all through the dough. Put the yeast in and then every part of it is affected. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a yeast, King James, this King James. Is, the kingdom of heaven is like the kingdom of heaven is like a living that's yeast, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal. Hid it inside it. Is there any? See, I used to read this and I used to think this is positive thing. It's 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 Pegamos. Pegamos. <coughs> Leviticus chapter two. Let me show you something. Leviticus chapter 2, verse 5 and verse 11. Now, when God asked them to make bread, look at his restrictions. He said, but if you are offering grain offering baked in a pan, it shall be of fine flour, unleavened, mixed with oil. Say unleavened. unleavened. That means without leaven or without yeast. God has always instructed his people, the bread you make must be unleavened bread, no yeast. He said the kingdom of God, uh, of heaven, is like a woman who took fine flour, yeast, and hid it in fine flour, three measures of fine flour, until the whole lamp is leavened. Look at verse 11. No grain offering which you bring to the Lord shall be made with leaven. Do you see that? You shall burn no living nor any honey in any offering to the Lord made by fire. It is supposed to be unleavened. Why do you put living in a dough which has got to do with God? In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, 7, Eight. Very interesting. Your glorying is not good. You are boasting. It's not good. Do you not know that a little living, living is the whole lamp? Do you know what it means? First Corinthians chapter five is quite an interesting text because they were they were sleeping around in the church. And there was, in verse 5, there was, a, no, verse 2 also, there was a particular guy who was sleeping with his father's wife. And he comes to church to lead praise and worship. Yeah. <laughs> 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 verse 5, they put the verse 5 there. It's actually reported. Is it, say reported. Report. Say reported. Reported. It's okay to report things in the church, okay? It's not fake news. It's actually reported that there is sexual immorality amongst you and such sexual immorality as it is not even named amongst unchristians, Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife in church. And it's like it was okay. It was okay. 
No, we won't be a church where somebody is going out with somebody and they are not supposed to, and then it's like, we, we know it. But it's, no, it's not fine. It's not fine. I will preach that devil out. We are looking for revival. So he said that, I hear, it has been reported to me. Some of you must report some things to the pastors. Information reaching us. He said, it, has actually, it, was, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality amongst you, the church. And such sexual immorality as it is not even named amongst unbelievers. When you were in the world, you go for somebody's girlfriend or boyfriend and people will not take it lightly. It's a big issue. And you have come to church and we want to normalize it. Hey! Ce n'est pas bon. That a man should go for it. So this is what he's saying. And he said, such a man, remove it. It's interesting what's that? Go to the next verse. Verse 6. Your glory is not good. You are saying that our church is big. We have, we have nice people. We have uh, uh, chief executives. We have this. We have nice host team. We nice host team. Ladies, and, and ladies who are in the host team. Ah! So he said, your glory is not good. How many of you have actually met maybe a Christian in a certain church? And he said, oh, I attend this church. And you are listening to them, but you know that. I know one or two people in your church. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They are a bad image to the church. And you can, tell, you can tell in your head that, sister, this church you are talking about, your glory is not good. Tell somebody, today God wants to cut something out of your heart. Let me add this and I move on. One of the things I'm believing God for is that if anybody, male or female, finds themselves in this church and start going out with a woman in this church or a man in this church, they will say, finally, I didn't know such a person exists. We want, we want people who Christ has affected their life. They are, they are sweet, but they are firm and they are authentic and genuine and faithful to God. But we all get there. I know. Listen, tell somebody. Listen, I'm, 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 I'm still in the process. I'm in the process. I'm in the process. So allow me. Allow me. Allow me to tell the person. God is working on me. God is working on me. You say it. Tell. Say that God is working on me. God is working. I don't know if you believe God is working on us. All of us. All of us. None of us has arrived. All of us, okay? That's why we are happy you are in our company. Yes. You are not a misfit. No. You fit. Yes, that you haven't realized that God is working on you and you are not complying. So from today, start complying. Yes. It says that your glory in God is not good, verse 6 of First Corinthians chapter 5. All right. It said, do you not know that a little yeast leavens the whole lamp? Did you see that? And what was he? He's talking about sexual immorality. That's why he said, just a little yeast. Who spoke, and the kingdom of God is like a woman who takes yeast and put it in a, a tree, fine flour. Put it inside. The next verse Christ is our Passover. Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lamb, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ. 
our Passover was sacrificed for verse 8. Verse 8. Sacrifice. Therefore, let us keep the feast not with old living, nor with the living of malice or weakness, but with the unliving bread of sincerity and truth. We are supposed to be unliving. Galatians chapter 5, verse 9. He says that we shouldn't be living. Galatians 5 said, Little living leavens the whole lamp. Let's all read that from the screen. Let's read it aloud. One more time. How does the message put it? Verse 9. Let, let's read it. And please, don't cause this as insignificant. No, this one is too long. Um, <laughs> new Living Translation. How does the New Living Translation? Let's go. Oh, it's interesting. He introduced a new term. It's a false teaching. So what is the yeast? No, this is why I don't know why they use it for, but they are right. Okay, the, the translator. Matthew 16, 6. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the living of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The living. They are bringing it inside. Be careful. And then they were thinking about bread. When Jesus was talking about living, they were thinking about, is it because we did not take food? Mm. Is it because we haven't eaten? Is it because we did? You know, they were thinking about something else. Mm. And Jesus, just to settle, he said, let me tell you, look at verse 11. Then Jesus said, how is it that you, have, uh, you do not have understanding that I did not speak con- uh, to you concerning bread? But beware of the living of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Look at the next verse. Mm. Pharisees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of a living bread, but the doctrine of the Pharisees. The teachings. Ah. You remember the teachings of Balaam? He said, a woman, the kingdom of God is like a woman taking strange teaching. And when you see a woman, most of the time when you see a woman in the Bible, they say a woman or the New Testament it stands for the church. So I can't wait to get to Revelation chapter 17 where it says that there was a harlot, a great harlot, talking about the church. Even Jezebel is talking about an aspect of the church. It's not a gender. It's not about a gender. But in the Bible, that's why we are the bride of Christ. That's why we are the bride of Christ. That's why the New Jerusalem is presented to the, the Lamb as a wife, a bride, a wife. So he said that um, the kingdom of God is like a woman, a, a, a church that takes different doctrine and puts it into the fine flower, which is Christ. And now the whole thing is, is leavened. The whole thing is leavened. That is the church of Paganos. They took the world and brought it in the church and make an, made an institution out of the church and the thing has become something funny. Wow. The, the church becomes married to the world. Why? This is an illegal marriage. It's not acceptable. God said, I will never accept this and I'm going to fight against you with the sword of my mouth. Nah. No. He said, I know your works. Look at verse 14 of Revelation chapter 2. Then he says, but I have a few things against you. Because you have, you have there, 
You have in the church, those who hold that, see that teachings have come in, teachings have come back in. That's, we have become so worldly now, you have endorsed certain teachings. Those I have against you, those, uh, because you have, uh, you, uh, you, you have, you have in your midst, those, those who, who hold the doctrines of Balaam, who taught Balak to put stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Idolatry and sexual immorality go together. God has a problem with sexual immorality. Because as soon as you start engaging in sexual immorality, idolatry is going to follow. Check with Solomon. I don't mean Brother Solomon, but Solomon in the Bible. Morality paves the way for idolatry. Idolatry distracts, watch this, idolatry distracts us from the person of Jesus mm. and to other things that are not central. Yeah. So we are in church, but Jesus is not the center anymore. Wow. Other things have become central. That's idolatry. So idolatry distracts from the person of Jesus and sexual immorality uh, denies us from enjoying Christ. We, he's the, it must be our enjoyment. Now, other things have become exciting to us. Like the songs. Some of us like the songs more than we like Christ. Yeah, oh, we are singing, here I am to worship. And uh, you, you actually like it when certain individuals lead it. Lost for words without to say, Lord, you take my breath out. And then you begin to feel emotional. Still my soul, my soul cry out, you are holy. And you are, and this is the song, I like the song. You see, and then after the song, you, con- you go and quarrel with an usher. Aye. So it's not Jesus you love, it's the song you like. Because if it's Jesus, it's actually whether there is singing or no singing, you, your love is constant, when, especially when it comes to the things of church. How come you are rolling on the floor in church, but you don't give offerings? How come you come to church, you are dancing, praise night, we will see you, you are dancing like somebody, nobody's business. Dancing, dancing, and you are not a tighter. You don't care. You have just left the ashes. You have left the choir. You have left it, and you can't board, you can't be bothered. You come whenever, whenever you want. You are not a lover of Jesus. Wow. You know? So it's not the, the Jesus you love, but the song. You are enjoying something instead of enjoying Christ. That's, that's fornication. James 4.4. James 4, 4, he said, ye adulteress and adulteresses. Are you married? Rise to your feet, my darling. I cannot call her an adulteress. Why? Because she's not married. You can't call someone who is not married an adulteress or an adulterer. Because she's not married. But, but, thank you, my darling. The Bible is saying that you are all of you why? Because you are married to God and you have become friends with the world. You are cheating on God. He said, do you not know that friendship with the world is enemy with God? You are a daughter. I'm married to you. Church, we are married to Jesus. Yes. We can't attempt to make the friend in the world our friend. They may not like us, that's okay. Because we are married to Jesus. We are married to Jesus. 
Our marriage is with Jesus, not with the world. When the world becomes, the church becomes married to the world, he said, this is not acceptable. And then suddenly, we begin to develop teachings to endorse our behavior. Mm. It's true. It's true. We begin to develop teachings. There are people who can prove sexual immorality or um, 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 what do you call it? adultery. That is, adultery is okay in the Bible. You see, you see, then we begin to develop teachings. We begin to develop doctrines of Balaam. When you enter into sexual immorality, you have, you have turned the hand of God away from you. Numbers chapter 31 verse 16. Numbers 31 16. The Bible says that, look, these women caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord. In the, in the ancient of Paul and Paul, so in the incident of Paul, and there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. How? That's what I was teaching last week. Yeah. He was cursing them, it wasn't working. Yeah. He was cursing them, he said, get some girls. Oh, let them join the praise and worship, and let them wear tight tops, tight tops, and then when they are jumping, let them keep jumping. Don't worry, they, they, the boys will stop, stop worshiping. They'll start lasting, they'll stop worshiping, they'll start lasting. Send in the girls, Balaam! Now the teachings of Balaam have come into the church. The worldly church has now accepted the teachings of Balaam. And it's not only the teachings of Balaam the worldly church accepts. Verse 15, they have also accepted the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Teachings that you also have those who hold the doctrine. Doctrine means teaching. Who, Who holds the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which I hate. But in chapter 2, verse 6, he said, you also hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. So the backsliding church in chapter 2, the church of Ephesus, he said, but this you have, that you hate the deeds. Say the deeds. Say the deeds. So the Nicolaitans, it used to be the deeds. They were doing it in Ephesus. The deeds of the Nicolaitans. But it was not like generally accepted. Now, in the ch- worldly church, it has been accepted, and now they are teaching it in the schools. They are now teaching it in the schools. They are now teaching it. It's all in our, on our faces, in the, on the screens, in the syllabus, in the movies, curriculum. They have to teach the, the doctrines. So it's different if a deed. Practices. Some practices can be done and people don't endorse the it. But now it has advanced to become a teaching that the worldly church. And what are we, what's the doctrine? I, I think you need to know about the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. The doctrines of the Nicolaitans, the Nicolaitans, the, the Greek word, or Nicolaitans, yeah, the Greek word is made up of two words, Nicole and then Leitans, so Leiti. Nicole is like, you get, that's where you get Nicholas from. Nicholas, ruler. Conqueror, victor. So that someone who conquers, someone who rules, someone who gets victory. So Nicole, Nicole, Nicholas, all that. So and then lady, lady is the masses, ordinary people. Right. The ordinary people, the ordinary masses. So Nicolaitans or Nicolaitans are people who rule over the masses. Okay. 
But God did not make, Christ did not make mean for the church to be just a section of people who are rulers. No, it should be we all together, led by a few thoughts, or a few called ones, or a few who have been given the responsibility to oversee. But, so I am not more powerful towards God than you. I don't have access to God more than you. I don't have the right to tell you that you, God will not listen, so sit down. If you have a problem, come and talk to me. And I have to consult God regularly on your behalf. That is not the Christianity. But Nicolaitan's teaching begins to purport stuff like this. So it's only about certain special clergymen. They have access to God. They are the, they have, it's just like the United Kingdom and the royal family. They have special privileges. So the Nicolaitan teaching is in the church. Some people have special privileges. They are more children of God than everybody. It is not of God. So when the, world, the church becomes worldly, then it begins to import worldly mindsets. So church leaders become like politicians. So very powerful people. And others are nobodies. But this one, certain people are very special, very powerful, and they are the unique ones for God. As for the rest of us, we are nobody. We can't endorse that. And even me, I have to be careful that I don't begin to endorse the Nicolaitans' deeds. And Jesus said, because the deeds of the Nicolaitans, you know what it does, it dilutes the effectiveness of the body of Christ. We are supposed to all operate as a body. But when the Nicolaitans' teachings come in, now it it, it begins to dilute and weaken our effectiveness. Because the body must all function together. That's why everybody must do something in church. You must, you must be part of it. He said, if you are not part of it, ask me, I can't do anything. You are, you are practicing the Nicolaitans deeds. It's only these people who can do it. It's only these people who can do it. The teachings of the Nicolaitans. Remember, the worldly church becomes... Um, diverted from Christ. They accept the world into the church. And then suddenly, the teachings of Balaam, which distracts us from the person of Christ. Mm. And then the teachings of the Nicolaitans, which dilutes the effectiveness of us as a body. Mm. And then the church becomes wimpy, spineless, weak, ineffective in the world. That's what you're having around us. Then the journalists will say, the churches are declining. They are not growing. Because they are referring to wimpy churches. They are referring to churches that have become like Pegamos. Yeah, yeah. Well, they should come and see yeah. Church of Ephesus. May the Lord touch our hearts. Yeah. This message is not for everybody. Those, Bible says, God knows those who are his. Some of you have been called by God to uphold the name of Christ. To be like uh, uh, Antipas. Others can be bothered. Doesn't matter what you say. It goes into one ear and bounces or flies out and it does not bother them. That's okay. It, probably you are not called. 
Probably you are not part of the true church. Probably you are not part of the end time harvest. Probably you are not part of the army of God. But if you are part, I can call you. He calls you as I speak. Mm. And you hear the calling in your heart. It's not in the mind, it's in your heart. You hear God talking to you. You hear it and you can't deny it. You know that this guy doesn't know what he's talking about because he's doing something to me. God is using him. Because yesterday I was even discussing it. Three days ago, four weeks ago, I was thinking about this. Three weeks ago, I was thinking about it. How come pastor knows exactly what I'm thinking? Pastor doesn't know squat. It's Holy Spirit who is talking to you because you are one of the people he has chosen. He's talking to you. Let's divorce this illegal marriage. Let's break this illegal marriage. We thank God for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at charis.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Charis Ministries. Stay blessed.